I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn them to 1 Peter chapter 5. I will confess that we don't exactly have a specific text we will be in this morning, but we're going to at least start by reading this portion of scripture. Today's sermon really is more topical in nature. In some ways, it'll be probably more instructive, but I hope that it will still be an encouragement to you and a challenge for us as a body of redeemed people. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 1 down through verse 4 of 1 Peter 5. Peter writes, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Let's pray. Lord, you are indeed the chief shepherd You are the one to whom we owe our spiritual lives. There is no good within us apart from you. And we thank you that in love, you made us to become adopted as sons and joint heirs with Christ. And as we go through life, you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us. You are the chief shepherd and you will care for us. And you have also tasked those within your church to do that under-shepherd work, to be the leaders, the elders, who lead your people till you come. So I pray that you would help us to love you, to listen to you, and even as we heard just sung, that we would keep your commandments to the praise of your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I look back over the years of my relatively short life and can pinpoint very important people who have influenced me. Many of them in recent years have been in this very congregation. But over my childhood, many of them were actually my pastors. The one who probably influenced me the most was a man who came to my ordination, um, preached the sermon for it, and who I love very dearly. His name is Greg Stevens, and he was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Hibbing for many, many years. And his influence in my life cannot be overstated. He blessed me in so many ways. He invested in me, even as a teenager, when I wanted to be in pastoral ministry. He encouraged me. And over the years of my time at First Baptist Church in Hibbing, one of the things he faithfully did for me was to feed me, spiritually feed me. His sermons were blessings to me. In fact, I went over some notes the other day that he had done. And uh, as best as I could understand them in my teenage mind, I was able to be blessed again by his ministry. 
our church congregation was small enough that he was really the only pastor we had on staff. And uh, I saw over the course of the years how that frequently burned him out. Uh, in fact, he, he's now retired, but I saw that he was laboring faithfully as best he could. He had men and women in the church who were serving alongside him as well. But one of the things that is difficult in those smaller ministries when you only have the one pastor is he ends up doing a majority of the work. And it was that, that was really the way it was in all of the ministries I grew up under, the churches that my parents took me to. There was usually one pastor. Sometimes um, there was a second, either specifically with teenagers or an associate. And, uh, but most of the time, it was just the one pastor. And it wasn't until I got to college that I was exposed to a concept or an idea I had not really heard before. And some of you probably have, but you may not know very much about it. And that is the concept of uh, elders. You hear the term elders, and most of us probably are immediately thinking, oh, yes, isn't that kind of the hierarchy structure within certain denominations? They have pastors, elders, things like that. And being exposed to that was kind of earth-shattering for me in some ways because that just wasn't the world I grew up in. That wasn't something I was used to. But the more I studied the Bible, the more I read other pastors who, whose churches followed a group of elders, the more I was very interested and intrigued by it. And one of the things that I think I have come to over the years appreciate is the wisdom of it, if nothing else. If, if there were people who were to say, I, I don't know, it's, it's a little, little iffy as to whether or not the Bible teaches that there should be a group of elders or a group of pastors who are kind of leading the church, as it were, as opposed to having one guy who's the main, main teaching and preaching pastor, I, I at the very least see the prudence of it. In common conversation, we don't use the word elder, though. We use the word pastor. When I talk about Pastor Stevens, I don't call him Elder Stevens, Overseer Stevens, Bishop Stevens. I refer to him as Pastor Stevens. And you probably have referred to your pastor over the years as pastor as opposed to those other terms as well. The term pastor is very precious, though, because it simply means shepherd. And I'm not sure anyone in this room who is a shepherd or who has family members or friends who are shepherds, but it was certainly a prevalent concept in Jewish culture throughout the Jewish history. In fact, not only is it a prevalent concept in their culture, it's actually a prevalent concept in their scriptures. In all of the Bible, the concept of leaders being shepherds is prevalent. For example, David, when he looked to the Lord as the one who is the leader of Israel, David referred to the Lord as my shepherd. What was David describing? What is he saying when he says, the Lord is my shepherd? And he goes on in the rest of Psalm 23 to describe what the Lord does as a shepherd. And then one passage of scripture that was really intriguing, I read a week or about a week and a half ago now, was from Ezekiel chapter 34, where the Lord refers to the Israelite leaders as shepherds. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord speaks to Ezekiel in verse 2 and says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? 
You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. These shepherds, which is a metaphor for the leaders of Israel, were using the people to achieve their own ends. And the Lord is condemning them. In fact, in verse 4, he continues on, The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they may no longer be food for them. Here, the people of Israel were being abused by the leaders. And the Lord says, enough is enough. You are not doing your job. A shepherd's job, as we'll see in a moment, is to care for, to feed, to lead, to protect the sheep. But these leaders in Israel weren't doing that. They were feeding themselves. They were serving themselves. And so the Lord condemns them. But he describes himself in beginning of verse 11 as the shepherd. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and the valleys and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture. And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between the sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you have tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, 
They eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. The Lord tells Israel that in spite of their unfaithfulness, they truly were not being led by the shepherds God intended them to be led by. And so what he ends up doing is saying, I will bring my sheep back together and I will tenderly care for them. And I will love them. I'll heal them. I'll mend them. The Lord himself is a shepherd. And Jesus himself actually capitalizes on that same concept. In John chapter 10, after he had healed a man who was born blind, Jesus says in verse 15, oh, excuse me, back up in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Without the shepherd, without a true shepherd, the sheep are vulnerable, and the hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. The Lord himself is a shepherd. And Jesus says, he's a good one. He's a good shepherd. So when we talk about the term pastor, we're talking about somebody who's a shepherd. But it might interest you to know that the prevalent term in the New Testament for the leader of the church is not actually the word pastor. It's not the term shepherd. It's the word elder. And this is actually rooted in the Jewish Old Testament. We won't look at all of these passages, but I'll just give you a sampling here. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, Moses calls for the elders of Israel. And he says to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. So here he is giving instructions to these elders who apparently are acting and functioning like leaders. He says, all right, here's what you're supposed to do. And then those elders are going and telling the people what they are called to do. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16, you see the same concept. Where it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. And notice what these elders, what happens to them in verse 17. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. These elders not only were helping Moses in his leadership, 
but they were also given a measure of God's spirit upon them for that leadership. And you can go and see other passages as well that describe in the Old Testament elders of Israel. And the idea is that they were spiritually mature, spiritually minded, saturated with a desire to love and serve the Lord God of Israel. These are the elders that are described in the Old Testament, and that continued on throughout Jewish history. Even throughout their history in the 400-year period where nobody was hearing from the Word of God, there were still these elders who were leading uh, Israel through difficult times. And they're always, almost always in the New Testament, especially referred to in the plural. There's a group of them. It's not just one person. So now as we come to the New Testament, and we've, used, we've been so used to the term pastor— I'm about to to really kind of shake us here because it shook me when I first learned. And that is that the term that is most often used for leadership in a church is the term elder because of his responsibility to lead and to protect and care for as a spiritually mature and spiritually minded man, the flock of God. In the New Testament, there are different terms used. In the King James Version, if you go to 1 Timothy 3, you would see that it says that the, someone who desires the office of bishop desires a good work. If that's the King James. If you have a newer translation, it might say the office of overseer. And this is talking about somebody who's a ruler. He has oversight over something. The other terms are ones we're more familiar with, pastor or a shepherd. This is talking about his care and concern for the flock. And the third term is the one I just described to you, which is elder. And this is the one that's most prevalent in the Bible, in the New Testament particularly. And this is talking about his, his leading as a spiritually mature example and leader within the congregation. And you say, okay, you're really confusing me right now. I'm so used to hearing the word pastor. Why, are you, why is this even important? Why is this a big deal? Because I think all of these terms are not describing different types of pastors, but are describing the functions that a pastor should have, that pastors should have within a church. And the reason I say that is because over and over again in Scripture, it's almost like these terms, not almost like they are actually, are used to refer to the same person. For example, in 1 Peter 5, the passage we just read, Peter says to these scattered believers, the elders who are among you, there's term number one, I exhort who am also a fellow fellow elder. I'm a spiritually mature, spiritually minded leader within the church and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. What should those elders know? He's exhorting these elders to do something. The very next word, shepherd the flock of God. Pastor the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers or exercising leadership, ruling authority over the flock. Not by compulsion, not not by compulsion, not because you're being forced to or you feel like you have to, but this is something you desire and are willing to do. Not for dishonest gain, King James says for filthy lucre, but you're doing so eagerly, not being lords over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. Why? Because one day, the chief shepherd, 
The arch shepherd, we talk about arch enemies or in the Catholic church there's archbishops, things like that. The word arch is really talking about chief. When the arch shepherd, the chief shepherd appears, all of those leaders within the church will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So all three of those terms, overseer, pastor, and elder, are describing different functions of the same job. And you see that as well in Acts. For sake of time, we won't go there. But I think that it's important to note that the responsibility of the pastors within a church is to be gentle shepherds, leading and ruling as overseers within the church, as elders who are spiritually mature and providing examples. So what are the three functions? This is where we will just quickly walk through these. The three functions of people who are faithful elders, not like those shepherds that are described in Ezekiel 34 who were not doing their job, who were not representing the chief shepherd to Israel. What are the faithful shepherds? What are their functions? Well, the first one is that very first word, is they shepherd. They shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd feeds. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I won't lack anything. He leadeth me beside still waters. He leads me in green pastures. He leads me into green pastures. He, the shepherd feeds the sheep. You as a parent, you have little toddlers, and you understand they need to be fed. Benjamin and Daniel are seemingly hollow legs for such tiny little human beings. They constantly want to eat. What else can I eat is a question that frequently happens at our dinner table. And we say, whatever you have in front of you, that's what you can eat. That's what we do. We feed those who need to be fed. That's what a shepherd did in Israel. He made sure that the flocks were fed. What does a shepherd do in the church? We as human beings are not just bodies that need physical food. We need water, we need food, yes. But we're also souls. And your soul must be fed. What did Jesus tell Peter? He told Peter, feed my sheep. That's what a pastor does. A pastor is tasked with feeding the souls of the sheep in the flock of God. Which should be a challenge to us. We cannot hope to spiritually survive this life if we are not being spiritually fed. We can't. We cannot hope to survive if we are not ourselves, personally, with the the privilege we have in this 21st century to open up the word of God, if we are not feeding ourselves, how can we hope to survive the onslaughts and attacks of Satan? But most importantly, the task of the shepherd is to feed the sheep. That's what Jesus told Peter to do. And that's what Peter is essentially telling other elders, pastors, overseers to do. Feed the sheep. Something that I was challenged with about a year ago was with the realization that going to church for me can sometimes just feel like a ritual. I'm just going to the church service and that's it. 
I go to this, I sit down, we sing the songs, we have the offering, we hear the special music, we hear a sermon, we sing one more song, and then we're done. And we continue on. And that in some ways it seems as though, for me, the real church aspect was just kind of fellowshipping together afterwards. The rest of it seemed more ritualistic. But there's a purpose behind why the Lord commands us in his word to do the things that we do together. And that is because we are fundamentally not simply flesh and blood, but that we possess a soul. We are spirit and our souls must be fed. And so I was challenged with this thought that when I came to a church service, whether it be here or if I was on vacation somewhere, or whenever I went to hear the word of God proclaimed, that I wanted to be spiritually fed. And so I would literally pray, Lord, spiritually feed me. I need to be fed. Is that what you do when you go to a church service? Whether it be here, whether it be a somewhere on vacation, or if you have another house you go to, wherever you go, where there's a church service, a gathering of assembled, redeemed people, is your number one prayer in your heart to be spiritually fed. Over the course of church history, people didn't have the Bible in their homes. It wasn't until the last 500 years that we began to, at least in a more prevalent sense, have copies of the scripture to the common people. So how were the common people being fed? They were going to the gathered assembly of believers where the elders of the church were faithfully ministering to them and feeding them. That's the job of a shepherd. He also protects. Paul goes, we, don't, we won't go there for sake of time, but at Acts 20, Paul goes and it says he gathers the elders of the church in Ephesus. Not one pastor, not one elder, a group of elders from the church in Ephesus. They meet with him and he's, he warns them, there are going to be ravenous wolves looking for you. There are people who are creeping in, trying to teach destructive heresies, he says. Things that were works-based salvation, People who are saying you must be circumcised as a work in order to also achieve salvation. People who are undermining the gospel message that Paul's proclaiming. And one of his jobs, Paul says, was to teach the truth. But he exhorted those elders, one of your jobs is to protect the flock. There are so many people nowadays that you have instant access to. You can open YouTube on your phone and you can find the latest, biggest hit from the latest megachurch pastor. Not to say that megachurches are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But from somebody who wants to tickle people's ears, you can instantly hear it. One of the jobs of elders of a church is to protect the sheep. Because there are ravenous wolves. They also comfort the sheep. I was really struck by that passage in Ezekiel where when God condemns the, in, in his metaphor, the shepherds of Israel, one of the things he condemns them for was not comforting them. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But what does David say about the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd in the Lord? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's one of the roles of a shepherd is to comfort the sheep. It can be easy 
for us as humans to fear. I think that's why Jesus says, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Sufficient unto the days, the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus was comforting his people. And the Lord comforts his people as well. The, sheep, the shepherd helps sheep. Sheep are very vulnerable. There's only so much in some ways that, that they're capable of doing for themselves. And so one of the things that the shepherd does is he, he helps them. In the case of those shepherds in Ezekiel 34, they couldn't mend themselves. They couldn't care for their needs themselves. And so the shepherds were supposed to be doing that. And the Lord says, you weren't. So I'll do it myself. And then, of course, healing. The shepherd also helps with the care and protection and healing of the sheep. And that's what the Lord does for us. And that's what the elders, the faithful elders, are supposed to do. The second function of them is not just to shepherd, but to oversee. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, they're described as ruling their houses well. Or excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 3. One, what is one of the qualifications of an overseer, a bishop? In verse 4, he is one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? One of the functions of faithful elders is not just that they gently shepherd, but also that they oversee and rule over the flock. Later on, Paul will tell Timothy in chapter 5 and verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. One of the ways that elders faithfully shepherd is that they rule, but they also lead. And again, I will just briefly mention this in Acts 20 when Paul gathers those elders from Ephesus. In verse 28, he makes this comment to them. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Take heed and lead these people. Lead the people, those precious people in Ephesus. They're people who are redeemed by the blood of Christ, so lead them. And the third and final function of faithful elders is that they serve as a spiritually mature example. And that's really, in the term itself, elder. They're supposed to lead by example. They're supposed to be spiritually mature. If you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and look at verse 7, what is one of the things he's supposed to do? Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. That reference is, is about people who are not in the church, people who are not saved. People who are outside the assembly of saints. He needs to have a good testimony and serve as a spiritually mature example of what a godly man is to the community. But he's also supposed to serve as a spiritual example to those who are in the church. For what does he say, Peter say, in 1 Peter 5, verse 3, neither being as lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. They're supposed to serve as spiritual examples, not just to the, the unsaved world, but to serve as spiritual examples and leaders to the flock. This is what faithful shepherds, overseers, elders look like. And when you have a group of godly elders who meet together, 
in a local assembly and serve that assembly in the way that God intended them to, you have a church that will thrive, a church that will be protected, a church that will be fed, a church that will be comforted, a church that will be helped, and a church that will be vibrant as a shining testimony of the grace of God in the community. So in short, and again, this really was more informative for us this morning. I readily admit that. But the Bible describes, I believe, a group of men who are tasked with the responsibility of shepherding, spiritually leading, and providing godly examples to the flock of God. The biblical model of a group of faithful shepherds, then, is to display in word as well as action the tender love and care of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, because this ultimately is where it's at. Ultimately, any pastor we have ever had in our lives, and I've had many over the course of my short life, I'm sure you've had many as well, ultimately, they are representatives of the ultimate shepherd, Jesus, who is the good shepherd and knows his sheep. He knows what they need. And he will feed them. He will protect them. He will comfort them. He will help them. He will heal them. He will bind their wounds. No shepherd could be more precious or gentle or caring than the chief shepherd. The elders who rule, who lead in a church, should emulate the chief shepherd and should do so with joy. Because we know, as a passage I'll leave you with in Hebrews, one of the things all shepherds and those who are leading in a church remember is that they watch over the souls of the people as those who must give an account. We all, as leaders, give an account for how we led. As parents, we'll give an account to God for how we led our children. As grandparents, how you directed and influenced the lives of your grandchildren if they're nearby. Leaders and businesses, how you led your employees. And yes, pastors and elders who have led the flock of God will give an account for how they led those precious souls. May the Lord help us as Calvary Baptist Church to do what we can to follow the word of God and to have faithful elders who function as gentle shepherds, spiritual leaders, and spiritual examples. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love as the gentle shepherd and that though we as humans are fickle and at times will be unfaithful to you, nevertheless, you remain faithful to us. What a precious reminder it is to know that you are the good, gentle shepherd. I pray, Lord, that those who are in this room who are wondering what it's like to be a part of your flock, I pray that you would open their eyes, and as was prayed earlier, that they might come to know and to love Jesus as the chief shepherd and bishop of their souls. And for those of us who are your sheep, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us as a church to seek to live out what we see modeled in your word. And most importantly, Lord, may we feast our souls upon the truths of your word, for we indeed are sheep who need to be fed. Thank you for the privilege it is to be a part of the assembly of saints.
And I pray that as we gather together Sunday after Sunday till you come, you would be pleased with our worship. For we ask it in our chief shepherd's name, Jesus. Amen.